Uh, today we, uh, we bring to a close the sermon series uh, for the last uh, 11 weeks on prayer, going along with our 100 days of uh, prayer and, and dialogue. And uh, we've looked at various passages of Scripture, and we've been focusing upon different kinds of emphasis about prayer. Uh, we've been taught to uh, pray faithfully and pray persistently. And we've been challenged to pray in the name of Jesus and according to uh, God's will. And then we've dealt with some of the issues of like unanswered prayer. You know, does prayer really work? Uh, we've also dealt with the issue then why pray if God is sovereign and he has a plan and he's going to do what it is that he wants to do. Bring about his plan from the beginning of time. And then we say this one for today. Say that I think the best for last. And that is uh, prayer that moves mountains. And uh, I got about a 30 minute sermon. Would you rather hear the 30 minute sermon on that or have Rick come back and sing that song one more time? Yeah. <laughs> I have a great job on that. I'd ask Rick all along if he would do that when I, when I preach on this text. Because I think that's just a powerful, powerful message both in the scripture and in the song. He did a great job, didn't he? We're blessed with that. Well, um, do you have the faith that you can pray and move mountains? You ever seen a mountain move? You ever heard somebody say to a mountain, move? Have you ever heard about a church making a mountain move? Well, I have. Uh, several years ago, I found this story, and I really forget my source, but um, uh, there was a church uh, right in the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains. And uh, a member had bequeathed uh, through his estate a piece of property for the church. And they decided that they would uh, build a new building. They'd been in a little old white clapboard building for a long time, so they were building a much nicer and newer building. Uh, and, and they took up all of the, the land to build that building and put the parking lot there, except for a mountain that, back, that the property backed up into. Well, lo and behold, two weeks before they were going to have their grand opening, uh, somebody from the uh, county came and said, you know what, you can't open, you can't have services in here because your parking lot is too small for the size of the building that you've built. And so if you don't have additional parking uh, before that date, I can't allow you to open. Well, pastor announced that to the congregation on Sunday morning, and he said this afternoon, it was evening at 7 o'clock, everybody who believes in prayer that will move mountains, meet with me and we're going to pray about it. They had over 300 members. Guess how many showed up that night? 24. Probably more than you'd think. You know, most of them said, I ain't got mountain moving faith. You know, that's probably what they said. If we face the same thing, that's probably what nine-tenths of you all would say. I've never seen a mountain move. I don't believe we can do that. Well, they did. They prayed. Three hours. The pastor said, I got a message that we're going to open on time. Everything's going to be fine. Next morning is Monday morning. He's in his office. He said, I knock on the door. He opens the door, and there's the foreman to a construction company. And he said, Pastor, uh, I'm with the construction company that's building this huge parking, I mean, uh, this huge um, shopping center in the next county. And we got a problem. Um, so we are out of field dirt. We need fill dirt. And so we got a proposition to make to you. If you will sell us your mountain, we'll, we'll, we'll move all that dirt out of that mountain. We'll use it as our field dirt. We'll come back. We'll clean off that site. We'll pave that portion and make it a parking lot. And we'll even stripe it for you. And the pastor says, I think that might work. <laughs> and so they did. And because they prayed and they asked for God to move a mountain, that church saw a mountain move. Wouldn't that be exciting to see that take place? You know what? It was just people praying, 24 of them. When they opened on that Sunday, 
they had a whole lot more people there who believed in prayer that could move mountains than they did on Sunday night before. Well, when we look at our scripture today, we find that it deals with having the faith and prayer that will move mountains. And I find that to be exciting. And it also contains, when we look at it, a, a miracle of deliverance and also gives us some lessons about what kind of faith we need to have if we want to pray so that we'll see mountains moved. And if you look with me in our scripture today in Matthew chapter 17, and we pick up a story beginning in verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private, and they asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And then in verse 21, any of you have verse 21 in your text? Most of you don't because most translations do not put it in there, but it's in the footnotes that Jesus added these words. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And the reason that it's not added in most translations of scripture is that that phrase was not found in some of the earliest and most reliable manuscripts. But it's been added and I, and I think it speaks well there. Now here's what's happened prior to this is that Jesus has taken that inner core of disciples, Peter, James, and John. They've gone on top of the mountain. And scholars disagree. Uh, they debate about what mountain it was. It might have been Mount Tabor. It might have been Mount Hermon. Uh, but anyway, they're up there. And then there's that glorious transfiguration of Jesus where he appears in all of his glory and dazzles these disciples. They've never seen anything like that. No wonder they didn't know what to say or do. And then all of a sudden, here comes Elijah and Moses, and Moses appearing at the same time. And then after that experience, as they're coming down, uh, and they heard God say, this is my son whom I love with him, I am well pleased. And Jesus said to them, don't tell anybody what, uh, what you have seen, uh, because I don't want you to do that until after the resurrection. Now, hey, we've got, a, we've got a, a picture of this, and this is uh, Raphael's painting of this uh, that was done many, many years ago. I think he does a great job of, of putting the two events together. You notice in the first half uh, of the picture at the top, there's Jesus in a, in a great, great transfiguration and in his glory. And then at the bottom, there's that chaotic scene going on. The disciples are distraught. They're frustrated. They can't heal this little boy, this young man. And, and the parents show anguish. And I believe if you look closely, you see he might even be gripped in one, of, in one of the seizures. So there it is all captured there for us. So they go from the mountaintop of, 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 of transfiguration and all the glory of that, that they come down the mountain and they immediately see a mountain, another mountain. It's an experience of life. A, a father especially is destitute about his son. And the disciples are frustrated because they could not drive out the demon. And so Jesus chastised them a little bit for their faith. Uh, and then he delivered the young man from the demon. Now, what does all that teach us and say to us 
about prayer that moves mountains. Because Jesus said when the disciples came to him, why couldn't we drive this out? And first of all, he chastised them about their faith, that it was little. He talked about mustard seed faith. And if you have that kind of faith, then you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall be done. So what do we learn? What are some lessons that challenge us? I think it's a challenge about doing the impossible. And here's the first lesson, and that's this. Our faith challenges us to do the impossible. I think we need to understand that because I think for most of us, faith is just kind of like a security blanket. Now, we have enough faith to believe in Jesus as a Savior to be saved from our sins, and we're going to go to heaven when we die, and that's good enough for us. That, that's, that's all we care about. We don't, we don't care about having a greater faith or, or a faith that will do uh, wonderful things, profound things. You know, we just, we just want to be saved and safe. That, that's all what we need with our faith. And, and we're really challenged in this story to have the faith that challenges us to do the impossible. And Jesus said it this way, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be done. Nothing will be impossible for you. Yeah, you might think that that's foolish to walk up to a mountain and say, move from here to there. But if you don't have the faith to try it, you'll never do the impossible. You have to notice that in the Bible and in history, people who accomplish great things for God are those who attempt great things for God. Do you have the faith that challenges you to attempt great things for God? Or do you have a little faith? See, the mustard seed is a very tiny seed, but it's got life in it. And when you plant it, it grows. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But if you've got little faith, then it usually stays as little faith. You're not challenged enough to have that faith grow. We've got a quick video here. I think it's a takeoff on the PC versus the Mac thing that talks about the difference in little faith and mustard seed faith. Hello, I'm Mustard Seed Faith. And I'm Little Faith. Whoa, uh, what happened to you, Little Faith? Doubt happened. This man came to me and asked me to pray for his son. said he was demon-possessed, so I went and prayed for him. But I wasn't completely confident. I don't know why I always doubt. Hey, come on, don't get so down on yourself. Oh, sure, when you have mustard seed faith, anything's possible. But see, my problems always seem so much bigger than yours. Why do I always feel so little? Hey, I got a package here for a uh, mustard seed faith. Yeah, it's me. Huh. Sign right there. Where you want it? Uh, you can just leave it over there. That's fine. What's, what's that? Oh, yeah, I'm just moving them out. He said, moving a mountain. You know, that's what mustard seed faith does. So, well, what's the difference between little faith and mustard seed faith? Mustard seed is probably the tiniest of all seeds. So, what's the problem? Little faith stays little. Mustard seed faith might begin small. In fact, it does, but it grows larger. In fact, Jesus told a parable about the mustard seed in Matthew 13. It's a series about uh, the kingdom and, and some parables that he told. And he said, the kingdom of heaven... Is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. 
So how do we understand the small faith of the disciples? They didn't have this kind of faith that had been planted and was growing. Now, I believe that they were men of faith. I believe that they really believed in Christ, you know, but you got to put yourself where they were. This was before uh, the crucifixion, before the resurrection. All the, they didn't have 2,000 years and more of history and experience with Christ to teach them that. So don't chastise them too much. You know, just let Jesus' words be enough for them. I think they were followers of Christ. But they were unsuccessful in casting out the demon and they wondered why. And I think the issue is because they were acting on their own strength and not with the conviction of their dependence upon God. They'd forgotten that it was the power of Christ in them that would allow them to do these things. And that's the same thing with us. I think we believe, we really do. But I don't know how many of us would say that we've got mountain moving faith. Uh, You you remember the... uh, well, uh, a similar story is told in Mark 9, where Jesus comes down from the mountain of transfiguration and immediately they encounter with the same scene, uh, father distraught and that, and Jesus challenges him about, do you have faith? And what did the father say? He said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. I think we all find ourselves in that same position. I have a certain amount of faith, but man, I don't know if I've got mountain moving faith or not. And Jesus said, if you've got mustard seed faith, you can have mountain moving faith. Many years ago, J. Hudson Taylor, who was one of the pioneering missionaries to China, said this. There are three stages in any great work done for God. Impossible, difficult, and done. That's a good way to look at it, isn't it? Because that's what our faith challenges us to do, to do the impossible. And you look at the Bible, and I just throw out some Old Testament characters here. And think about how they face the impossible. David versus Goliath. How about Moses and and, and the Red Sea? Uh, Joshua and the walls of Jericho. And then what about Gideon? Had reduced a a troop of about 20 to 30,000 down to about what? 300 men and he went up against a great foe because it was in the power of God and he had faith in that and he was victorious. So don't be content with a little faith. Don't be content with just a salvation faith. Have mustard seed faith and attempt the impossible. Now, here's the second lesson. Our faith empowers us to move mountains. You know, Jesus said, because you have, you know, mustard seed faith, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, what kind of mountain is Jesus talking about? You need to understand he's really talking figuratively here. In fact, the, the Jewish custom of that day was when they talked about problems and difficulties in life, they called them mountains. And so they would not understand completely what Jesus was saying. He's talking about any kind of difficulty, any kind of thing that blocks your spiritual growth, anything that impedes your path of progress in seeking after the kingdom life is a difficulty. And they come in a variety of ways. You know, their setbacks, their, their troubles, their burdens, their hardships, it's fear, it's, it's uncontrolled anger and bitterness, it's mountains of discouragement and disappointments and failure, depression and sorrow. Sometimes it's peer pressure, negative thinking, low self-esteem, sickness and crisis, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, some mountains are, are bigger than other mountains, like cancer, job loss, divorce, betrayal, death. Some are challenges to our lifestyle the way God calls us to live. God commands us to live a certain way, and we, and we have a difficult time in doing that. Like forgiving somebody who's hurt you. Loving somebody who's difficult to love. Loving your enemies and praying for them. 
See, I don't know if many of us have the faith to do those kinds of things. In fact, we can't do them on our own. We can't do it in our own strength. Well, we have that kind of faith that Jesus talks about, then we can do all of those things. We can move all of those mountains. We can still move. And I want to give you four quick reasons why your faith in God, if it's a mustard seed faith, allows you to move mountains, okay? Number one, God is bigger than your mountains. It doesn't matter what your mountain is. It doesn't matter how big it is. Even if it seems unsurmountable, God is bigger than your mountain. Always remember that. We serve a great God. We serve a mighty God. He is big. He's bigger than anything. He's bigger than any mountain that might come up in your life. Here's a second reason. And that's because God is stronger than your mountains. You might think that mountain is going to last and endure. You look at all the mountains that are literal mountains out there. Most of them are going to last and endure unless somebody needs the dirt for a parking lot somewhere. God is stronger than your mountains. He is all powerful. Then God is wiser. That's the third point. God is wiser than your mountains. God has all knowledge. He has all strength. He has all wisdom. He's wiser than your mountains. And so you can depend upon his leadership. And then God is more enduring than your mountains. You know, one of these days there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, but God's going to be the same. These mountains are going to change. They're going to be different. It's going to be a new earth, new heaven, all of that right here. But God is going to be the same. He does not change. That's his immutable characteristic of God. So that's why you can trust in God to have this mountain moving faith. And because you have mustard seed faith, you can say to the mountains, move from here to there and it will move. Now, what's the connection there between this mountain-moving faith and our prayer life? We've got to find that in there. That's why I had to add verse 21 when he talks about, told the disciples, this kind, this demon can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. And that says to us, our faith is empowered through persistent prayer. Our faith is empowered through persistent prayer. We've been challenged. We've looked at that earlier. And we've looked at it often through this series on prayer, to have a persistent prayer life. And one of the things that Jesus adds to that is fasting. Now, I'll admit this. I know more about feasting than I do about fasting. How about you? Hmm? I think we all do, right? Remember some things about fasting. You don't do it for any show. You don't do it because you're using it as a diet. You are using it as a spiritual discipline to deny yourself food so that you can focus upon God. There are a lot of good works out there about faith and fasting, prayer and fasting. I've read some of them. I still haven't really practiced it. I don't even, I don't even fast between meals. You know, that's how bad it is with me. But our faith is empowered through persistent prayer. And sometimes you might want to try fasting just to see what it adds. What Jesus is talking about is simply a a lifestyle of prayer. That we approach every issue, everything in prayer. It's a habit of prayer. It's an environment of prayer. It's a lifestyle of prayer because of our relationship with God. It's, It's the fulfillment of pray without ceasing. Now, we've already heard about one church in the Smoky Mountains that had a mountain moving experience. I want to tell you about another experience. 
And first of all, I'll, I'll give you this prophecy from Zechariah 14.4. That uh, Zechariah predicted that when Jesus returns for that final climactic battle, uh, that he's going to put one foot there on either side of the mountain. And the Mount of Olives is going to split in two sections. One half is going to go north and the other one is going to go south. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about that when he talked about mountain moving. You might want to go back and write that down. Zechariah 14.4. Okay. But that's an amazing prediction in it. What Jesus is talking about are the everyday mountains that we have, the realities of difficulties and things like that that we have that come in our life. Now, in the news for a long time here, um, longer than we would want to see it, been all the issues with um, ISIS and Christians being martyred or Christians being slaughtered because of their faith in Christ. And Egypt has come up a lot uh, in the news. And it's an interesting thing that this incident I want to tell you about took place about over a thousand years ago, uh, outside, right outside Cairo, Egypt. And the, the Muslims, of course, as they, as they are now, were in the majority. Uh, and there were Christians then, Coptic Christians. You've heard that phrase before. Uh, Coptic Christians were there. But the, uh, the uh, caliph, or the leader of the Muslims, came to the Christian pastor whose name was uh, Anda Abram and gave him a challenge. Uh, he said that they had three days to prove that Jesus was God... And he quoted our scripture for today and said that you should have the ability to be able to move a mountain in the name of Jesus. And he says, if you don't, there's going to be two options. You can either be killed or you can convert to Islam. So what did they do? They prayed. They prayed and they fasted. And on the third day, God sent an earthquake and literally split that mountain. We got an image of a church that was built in that crevice where that took place. Fantastic. You need to go to this website. Just go and do a Google for cave church and you'll find the whole story and you will find this. So how do we know that this was real and it took place then? Well, today, let me give you three reasons. Today, Coptic Christians in Egypt still fast for three days to, to remember that miracle. Okay. Number two. The name of the mountains on the outskirts of Cairo is Mokadam, which is Arabic for split in two. And third, and this was news to me, I did not know this, a strong church has been meeting in this place for over a thousand years called Cave Church, and they run about 12,000 Christian worshipers on a weekly basis. That's mountain moving faith in it. That's prayer. Now, they, had, they had mustard seed faith and then some more, didn't they? Well, the reality is mountains come in all shapes and sizes, and they all have all kinds of different um, outcomes for us if we don't solve the problem and get rid of the mountain. So how do we go about doing that? Let me give you three mountain-moving tips, okay? Here's the first one. Speak to the mountain, not about it. In the Scripture and in the song, it's talking to the mountain. And that's what Jesus said. Talk to the mountain, speak to it. You will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And you say, well, he said that, but he's God, right. But we have his power in our life if we have that mustard seed faith and let it grow and develop. Now, why should we talk to the mountain rather than talk about it? Well, because you don't address any issue. You aren't dealing with your problem, no matter what it might be. See, it might be a family issue. It might be a financial issue. It might be a health issue. It might be a weight issue. It might be... You know, relationship issue, all those kinds of things. 
Don't talk about that mountain. Talk to it. Because if we just keep talking about it, you know what we do? We make a, a mountain out of a molehill. Now, I'm not discrediting the, the mountains in your life that they're trivial. But I'm saying talk to it. That's what Jesus said. Talk to it. And one thing you might want to say to it is, mountain, there's not enough room in my life for both of us. You've got to go. Okay? So talk to the mountain. The second thing is focus on God's power, not the size of the mountain. We already talked about David going up against Goliath. When he got out there, Goliath was like, are you going to send this dog out to do battle with me? And Goliath is like four times bigger than David. And David talks to him and says, hey, you know, I might be small, you might be big. But I tell you what, I come in the power of God. He said, in a few minutes, you're going to be dead. And I'm going to cut off your ugly head and put it on a pole. You're going to be dead and I'm going to win. That's in my footnotes. I added that. <laughs> but that's what happened in it. That's what he did. Why? David didn't focus on the size of Goliath. He focused on the size of the power of God. You've got God Almighty on your side. Don't worry about the size of the mountain. You've got God on your side. And here's the third tip. Consider this, that if God doesn't move the mountain, he might move you. You say, okay, wait a minute. I thought this was all about moving mountains. Yep, but it's always in accordance with God's will, right? Okay. Sometimes God doesn't move that mountain, but he moves us. Let me give you an example of two, two of them out of the life of the apostle Paul. Remember, he talked about he had the thorn in the flesh, and three times he cried and prayed for it to come out and want God to deliver it. And God said, no, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to leave it in you, but my grace will be sufficient for you, Okay. Then there was another time uh, that we find in, in Acts 16 that Paul felt like he was supposed to take the gospel into Asia Minor and it was just a closed door. There was a mountain there that couldn't go. So God had something else in store for him. Instead, he sent him to Greece and he preached the gospel there. And that's really what we call um, the first preaching of the gospel in, in, in Europe. And if you are the descendant of somebody from Europe who was a European Christian, then you need to thank God that he didn't move that mountain out of Paul's life, but instead he moved Paul. So sometimes God won't move the mountain, but he will move you. So what are we called today? We'll wrap all this up, these 11 weeks, in talking about prayer. We're to keep on praying, we're to pray persistently. We're to develop our faith so that it grows from a little faith to mustard seed faith. The way it grows big, like a mustard seed grows to be a plant where the birds of the air can come and nest in it. We need to talk to the mountain and talk to God about the mountain. We need to look at God and not our mountain. You know, one of the things we need to learn to do when we're dealing with, with, with our concerns and issues, mountains in our life when we pray, is oftentimes we got our focus on the mountain and we glance at God every now and then. What we need to do is, is focus on God and just glance at the mountain. That's what mustard seed faith does. That's what prayer that moves mountains does. And so we're called to have that kind of faith, mustard seed faith. To where we literally believe that no matter what mountain is put in front of us, we pray in God's name, in his power, claiming deliverance, and we'll see those mountains move. We need to be a church that believes in the fact that we can move mountains.
Father, we thank you that you're a mountain-moving God and that you challenge us to have a faith that will attempt the impossible for you so that we can know the extent of your power working in our life and that we can know who you are as God as we see the mountains move because of your power. Father, I know that for everyone here today, there's got to be at least one mountain right now that's uh, in their life, that's in their way. Different degrees of difficulty, but there's got to be some kind of mountain that everybody is dealing with. And I pray, Father, that for each one of us in here, we'll have the faith to trust you, that we can claim mountain-moving faith and see you move that mountain out of our life. And Father, I pray for that in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.